Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is a mock draft Monday. Uh, We have a four-round rookie mock draft, probably our last rookie mock draft before the actual NFL draft, which is only 10 days away. Dennis, are you getting hyped for the draft? I'm excited. Though, interestingly enough, Last year on round the night of round one, no, the day before round one, Wednesday, was when I had my heart issue. And uh, the day after round one was when the doctor said, I went in for my annual checkup and the doctor, 15 minutes in, looked up at me and said, oh, my God, you're an AFib. You got to go to the ER. And then let me leave and drive myself to the ER. So. I probably thought about that afterward. I yeah, I know. Probably. And I actually, I drove myself home and had my wife drive me. But still, it was about four miles home. Anyways, you know, it's kind of a, you know, the draft is now going to be an anniversary for me. Every year that I'm still alive, maybe that'll be my new birthday. This NFL draft will be my new birthday. Or maybe my the- new, I didn't, it'll be my I didn't die day. It does kind of bounce around every year. So your I didn't die day would, would be like Easter. You just never know when it's going to happen. Um, well, in addition to the draft and our mock draft, we did get some uh, some news. Uh, first and probably the biggest is that Jalen Hurts signs a massive five-year extension. Uh, let me pull up the... Totals, it was five years, 255 million, 179.3 guaranteed. It's the large the highest average per year now, putting him at 51 million a year. He also gets a no trade clause, which is something that the Eagles had previously not done. So, Dennis, is this a good move for the Eagles? And what does it mean for the rest of the league, particularly our friend Lamar Jackson? Well, uh, who is it? Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen both reported that uh, in September, Lamar turned down a $250 million offer with, let's see, the guarantee was only, so it was basically $5 million less uh, in overall value. And I think it was like $4 million less in uh, guaranteed money. Um, now my Twitter's running. Uh, a little slow pulling this tweet up. Let me see if I can get it here. 
So I get that. I, I mean, is Lamar better than Jalen Hurts? Let's see. The the guarantee Lamar, <coughs> excuse me, was offered one seventy five. Hertz's guarantee was one seventy nine point three. So to me, it almost feels like, you know, what we need is like a two hundred and fifty six million dollar with one hundred and eighty guaranteed to get the Lamar deal done. But then also over the weekend, I don't know if you heard, uh, it it came out that. They were saying Lamar told the Ravens brass, go get OBJ and DeAndre Hopkins, and then we'll talk. Did you hear that? No, I hadn't heard that. When it's to just they signed OBJ to that $18 million deal that seems crazy. I mean, it is. It is pretty high for one year, but the Ravens seemed kind of desperate. And I, I do wonder sometimes if they were bidding against themselves because OBJ has been out on the market for a long time and clearly hasn't found much. Well, I, and I think it's got like three void years too. So to spread the, because I think the cap hit this year is only like four and a half million dollars or something. So they spread it out with, with uh, uh, those void years, which to me is, is stupid, you know, I don't I don't get the whole I, I, I don't understand why the league allows void years like that, but it's just a way to make the cap unrealistically. Right. So uh probably the the only other fantasy relevant piece uh, of news is that uh, Chosen Anderson, formerly Robbie Anderson, signs with the Miami Dolphins. I, I like that I saw a breakdown of Dolphins receivers that includes Tyreek Hill, Jason, Jalen Waddell, uh, Chosen Anderson, Braxton Berrios, and forgets that they signed Cedric Wilson last offseason. But do you, do you feel anything about this signing? Nope. I, I, I would hesitate to call it fantasy relevant. Now, if you do roster him, there's going to be a game where he puts up some numbers, and it's but it's going to be probably one of those three catches on five targets for 89 yards and a touchdown that makes you go, Oh, he's the, he's going to be the beneficiary of Waddle and Hill getting heavy coverage, but it's not. Don't kid yourself. I think Trent is, did they resign Trent Sherfield? I don't, I mean, no, Sherfield <laughs> went uh, somewhere else. Okay. Let me well, look it up. I just don't see I, I think Anderson is 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 not Sherfield went to the Bills. Okay, that's right. Anderson's I like I said, he's gonna put up he's gonna have a couple games where he puts up numbers that make you uh feel like you're you know walking through the desert seeing an oasis. If that's the case, sell him if you still roster him. Just take if if you can if you can go from selling him for the 312 to selling him for the 311, sell him. Just sell him. Take whatever chance you can. It's yeah, I, I think we're at the end of the road with fantasy relevance. I mean, I'd rather roster Noah Brown. Yeah, I don't really get get excited about that move either. You know, people he had one his first year in Carolina was decent, but then he totally faded away. In Carolina, when he got traded to the Cardinals, it seemed like 
the perfect landing spot because they were desperate for wide receivers and he couldn't get involved or really crack the field at all. They seemed happy to let him go, even though they're kind of a mess. I don't, it doesn't move the needle a lot for me, for Miami. It just does make me wonder about Wilson though, uh, because I thought he actually looked pretty good as the third option for the Cowboys when he went there as a free agent last year. And he, couldn't really get involved with them last year, and they certainly have seemed to bring in a bunch of other receivers. Predominantly, though, I think it's going to just be Waddle and Tyree Kill there in uh, Miami. Yeah, I I feel like Wilson is probably going to be on the move. I think they're going to be looking to do a draft day trade with him. Um, Just, I mean, they they paid him to come in and be a starter, and then they draft, then they traded for Tyree Kill. Not bumped him down to the the wide receiver three spot and the four spot for he's just he's making too much money so I mean maybe he renegotiates to stay there, um, but I, I don't know I I'd much rather roster Cedric Wilson than Robbie Anderson. Indeed. So the last bit of news you put uh, something on there about a bet. Do you want to elaborate? Well, I just saw a tweet that said that you know. Adam Schefter just bet uh, Dan Orlovsky that when Indianapolis makes their pick at four, that only one QB will be off the board and Indy will basically have their, their pick. Now I think that the only way that happens is if the uh, Texans have decided, look, we only want one of these three quarterbacks or one of these four quarterbacks. Um, and then they just don't draft if Carolina takes their guy and they don't draft one. I don't know. A few weeks ago, we were looking at possibly quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. And now there's talk only, you know, they, they may only have two going the top five. But so which is Adam Schefter betting that they're only one that's going to get taken is I think yeah, I've seen or Lofsky. that he, he said that uh, he, he bets him. He bets that, you know, less than two quarterbacks will be off the board by the time Indianapolis picks at four. That was Schefter saying it. So, I mean, I think that presumes Arizona won't be able to find a trade they like at number three because supposedly they've had six teams inquire, and I don't think you trade into the third spot if you're doing anything but taking a quarterback really at this point in time. So that presumes that trade doesn't happen. Houston, I guess you never know. It sure didn't seem like last year they had incredible confidence in Davis Mills. I mean, he got sit down during the middle of that season, came back and started at the end, but they haven't given a lot of indication that they believe him to be the guy. I will say, though, this is one of the reasons I don't like to dump players off my rosters, especially in Dynasty, until you have to uh, at post-draft. Because you never know, like there could be people out there that set Davis Mills free because it looks like he's going to be irrelevant. And then Houston doesn't take a quarterback and all of a sudden you realize you just set a starting quarterback free. But, you know, the thing is, is so do they, they would have to then automatic already say we like Caleb Williams and Drake May better than CJ Stroud Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. We like them better right now. And we and saw them also completely can... screw up the 101 this year. So what makes them think 
Did well, they get it next year. That's the thing. You're also consigning uh, a young co- coach in D'Amico Ryans who's trying to build a culture and who's trying to do good things to be. I mean, are you betting that he's only going to win two games or are you or three games or four games? Are you betting that you're going to be able to pull off some kind of a trade to like Carolina did to move to the one one if you end up doing Because, I mean, look, it, after Carolina fired Matt Rule, we all fairly well assumed they were going to go into the can for a quarterback. And instead, they ended up almost making a playoff run and getting to seven wins and then having to trade back up. So, you know, is that what you're going to try to do? Because D'Amico Ryans isn't going out there trying to lose especially after seeing the last two years of head coaches not find success on the field and get shipped out after one year. I mean, that seems less likely with this hire, but you never know with that front office. To me, it feels like there's a lot of helmet scouting going on with CJ Stroud. The people are doing the, well, Ohio state quarterbacks have never been elite in the NFL. And, and now they're, they're just saying, well, we're not going to take him that high because it hasn't happened before. When what you have is a, a really good pocket passer with some good mobility and a good arm, can make the throws, can make the reads. And, you know, it's kind of like Justin Fields said when he was getting knocked for throwing to his first read all the time. And he was like, is it my fault that they're always open? The other question, too, is – could the Texans strategy be that they want to get like a Will Anderson at number two and then roll the dice and go with the third, fourth or fifth quarterback off the board at 112? because they are one of the few teams that has two picks in the top 12. And, you know, I don't know if you are a fan of the movie draft day, but sometimes weird things happen in the draft when quarterbacks don't go where you're expecting. I mean, that's what happened with Justin Fields when he ended up landing with Chicago. We thought quarterbacks were going to go in all these places and they started kind of sliding down the board and that made an opportunity for somebody later. I, I suppose that could be a potential strategy if you weren't completely sold, like let's say Bryce Young is their guy and he goes at one and they aren't completely sold on the other three or do they wait and see what happens and see who they can get at 12? Are they happy taking a Will Levis per se at quarterback? That that's the only other, because the Texans are in a rare situation where they have two top 12 picks or, you know, could they try to trade back up into the eight or nine range, you know, since they have extra picks, I still think the most likely though, is you have quarterbacks go one, two. I, I agree. But I guess we shall see. Do you think that it's most likely that they go one, two to Carolina in Houston, though? Yes. I, I mean, because Carolina, I think obviously it would be the most, you know, Kevin Costner is your GM thing to have traded all that to go up to one to then not take a quarterback. I think that they for sure going up for a quarterback and Houston, it has seemingly made sense that that's the trajectory they've been on for the last year. And even the off season moves they've made, you know, they probably still need a receiver, but they have a couple options in the backfield. They got a better pass catching tight end. They've worked on shoring up their offensive line. They got a veteran in case Keenum to be there. Everything seems to be tracking both Carolina and 
Houston, if you were saying the textbook for how you'd play the offseason, if you thought we were about to take a quarterback at the top of the draft, has played out that way. Carolina did the same thing, got a veteran backup, you know, bridge quarterback in Dalton, went and got the pieces around. So I would be kind of, kind of surprised. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if it's not. Stroud and Young that are the two quarterbacks that go because they're spending a whole bunch. Of, I'm pretty sure Olafsky is the one that's made the case that he thinks the Texans should take Anthony Richardson. And you never know, you know, sometimes teams fall in love with different quarterbacks and you don't exactly know how that's all going to shake out. I'm going to have to go play with the uh, mock draft simulator tonight and see what, what it looks like uh, with Houston taking and Will Levis and trading up with Arizona and see how see how far quarterback falls. Yeah, I mean, that's the only having not heard the Schefter segment or his thinking, I that's the only thing I wonder is if he's thinking, you know, with that they have their sights set on and getting another marquee position filled at two and then taking whatever quarterback comes back to them at 12. Cause it's hard to imagine all five of the top five quarterbacks would have gone in the top 11 picks. Cause I don't know that that's the way this draft would shake out, but you're rolling the dice. If you don't take I mean, it's, it's like you see people play this kind of roulette in fantasy startups or in rookie drafts too, where you, you look at the odds and you're like, well, I really want that player, but I think I he'll make it back around to me. How often does that not pan out like you were hoping? It often not pans out. Yeah. Well, speaking of drafts, we, uh, we went ahead and did uh, a rookie mock draft. Uh, so um, let's uh, take a look and pull that up and go through that. We set this one. This is our final four-round rookie mock draft uh, for the pre-draft period. Uh, we did super flex and tight and premium on this one. There were a couple of uh, slots that got picked by uh, ADP, but I actually was looking at where players fell, and I didn't think that was that unexpected. But, Dennis, you took the 101 slot. Uh, you took Bijan Robinson. No matter what format, you think he's going 101, correct? I think 9 out of 10 times or 95 out of 100 times um, that it's going to be Bijan Robinson. There will be some wild cards that take take a quarterback. You know, if, if Carolina takes Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, I, I, I think that there will be, you know, a small percentage of people that are like, I got to get a quarterback. It's super flex. Um, yes, Bijan is good, but – you know, he's looking at six years max, probably. Whereas if I hit this quarterback, I'm looking at 10 to 12 years. And it just seemed like, you know, as people were joining the draft, nobody really wanted to uh, take the 101 because everybody's like, oh, well, 101's Bijan Robinson. And so I took it. I decided I'd go ahead and move up there. And I thought, you know, let me take Bijan and then let me see how the rest of the draft goes for me. What kind of what kind of draft can I work out? And honestly, uh, it was kind of a my guy draft. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to feel like you lost the draft when you got Bijan Robinson too. 
So the, the next four are kind of how you would expect the top five of most drafts to play out. You just don't always know the order. But we In this case, we had Bryce Young go at 102, uh, JSN go at 103, then C.J. Stroud at 104, and Jameer Gibbs at 105. Do you think those are probably uh, the five players that will most frequently go at the top of drafts? In, in non-superflex, you might not even have two quarterbacks go that early, but even in superflex. Yeah, in, in, in one QB drafts, I'm, I haven't been seeing quarterbacks go before you know, the back quarter, back third of the first round. Uh, in superflex, you know, I feel like JSN probably went a little high. That, that pick was auto-drafted before the great Catsby got back in. Um, so I feel like I, I've been seeing a lot more people that are, and it feels like it's in mock drafts. I think the people who are drafting Anthony Richardson at two are people that are like, you know what? I I was in the sem, I was in the finals last year, or I won it last year, and I lucked into getting the one hundred two. I've got a good team. I'm going to take a shot on this guy with the most upside in the class, and so that's why I see that. That's why I feel like. Anthony Richardson's been going uh, sometimes up at the 102, 103. But overall, I, I think the top six picks are what the top six picks are going to be. There'll just be a little bit of shuffling of the order. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, to me, is clearly the best receiver in this draft. Now, I think he would probably be somewhere in the – five to eight or nine range in last year's class. I think the, the last couple of years, we've just had some better wide receivers come out this year. Uh, I think it's Jackson Smith and Jigba, but because he is kind of a slot possession guy with some outside ability and not a dominant X type of wide receiver. Uh, I think that he's, if I had to move anybody back in this draft, it probably would have been Smith and Jig, but I'd probably have him back a couple more spots. So you kind of mentioned Richardson goes there at six. I was up at seven. Um, I thought about whether I should take a quarterback, but with those three off the board, I took Jordan Addison, um, who I have as my second wide receiver. That seemed like the best pick. Um what do you think about that? Would you have taken in a super flex Will Levis there, or is that when you start switching back to position players? I'm not a Will Levis guy, and so I probably wouldn't have. Um, I ended up, when I'm in that range, I need Levis to keep falling for me to go, okay, well, I've got to take him now. So, like, if he's at the, the 111, 112, then maybe I'm going, okay, if he's in falls to the beginning of the third round in a one QB, then maybe I'll go in for Levis. But honestly, I think I like Hendon Hooker better. And at the price, I like Hendon Hooker a lot better. Um, with the, with the receivers, like I just released an article with the top 50 uh, rook, incoming rookies and I have them broken into tiers. And so I've got, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, and Josh Downs uh, in my tier two. So it's Smith, then Addison, Flowers, and Downs. I actually, uh, Quentin Johnston has been, he dropped a tier for me. 
Uh, I know the people that like him like him, uh, but he's, you know, I was contrasting him with Rashi Rice, who is six foot tall and 200 pounds and plays like he's six foot three and 220. And Quentin Johnston, who is six foot three and what, 218, 214, somewhere in there. And he plays like he's six foot and 195. Um, Johnston has a tendency to drop passes. He, he makes a lot of hay on crossing patterns, but he drops an awful lot of passes on those. He's a body body catcher. Phenomenal when he catches it. Now he can take off and go. We, we've seen that a ton of times. But I just don't know that there's going to be enough consistency there. Yeah, and, you know, we if you missed our Friday show, uh, we talked about wide receivers and Matt uh, was a little bit different than you. He does still have Johnson up there as kind of his wide receiver three. A lot of people do have him a little higher. So I wasn't so surprised to see him go there. Then we get Levis uh, at nine. Uh, and then to end the first round, we get Charbonnet at 10. Zay Flowers goes at 11 and it was tight end premium. So not too surprising to see the first tight end go there at the back of the first round, right? Michael Mayer. Uh, it's not surprising to see the tight end go there. It's just surprising to see that tight end go there. A lot of people still have him him up there. I mean, he's he's going to be on the field. I, I feel like he's – there's definitely some concern that he's going to just turn into a blocking tight end safety outlet, you know, not a real route-running threat not a guy that they're counting on. Now, I don't think anybody expects Dalton Kincaid to be the next Travis Kelsey, but he definitely has the skills that he could develop and, and push for that type. I just don't see that with Michael Mayer. Uh, he's he's a good good NFL tight end prospect, but not as good of a fantasy tight end prospect. Um, so then at, uh, 201, uh, you end up taking, uh, Josh Downs. Was there any consideration, uh, for you to consider Kincaid there since he was available and it is tight end premium? I actually considered Kincaid and hooker both because it is a super flex and a tight end premium. Um, but in the end, I went back to my tears. Now Kincaid would have been a little bit more of a, um, a little bit, uh, he, he'd have been more likely for me because I do have Kincaid in the same tier as um, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison and Josh Downs. I also have Zach Charbonnet, Ty J Spears, Tank Bigsby, um, and, and Will Levis and Dalton Kincaid in that tier. Um, but I just like, when I looked at the receivers, when Johnston went and he's in my, my my next tier down, I felt like I I needed to go ahead and take the guy that that I I have in the tier above that most of the guys have gone. And I really debated a, a guy, probably the guy I considered the most there was Tank Bigsby. I I kind of he's an old school kind of two and a half down running back. I think he can develop his pass catching. He caught, I think, 60 passes in college, but they were a lot of them were just sort of the check down variety. And, and so he didn't do a lot of route running. But I do think there is 
an opportunity for him to be a viable pass catcher in the NFL uh, so long as he's an, an effective blocker and he's got the size for it. He's got the size to be a, a bell cow. So I really, I, I really thought about taking Spears and then I thought, you know, I need to probably go wide receiver upside. Uh, and, and that's why I went downs. So then continuing in the, the top half of the second round, we get uh, Jalen Hyatt at 202, Devin Achain at uh, 203. Then we get our fifth quarterback, Hendon Hooker, uh, going there at 204. Interestingly, uh, that slot takes two quarterbacks in a row with Stroud and then Hooker. And then we get Dalton Kincaid going at five and Ty J Spears at six. So what – what do you think of the top half of the second round there? Do you like the placement for Hendon Hooker? Um, I, yeah, I think that's if, – if you want him, you're probably going to have to take him in the first half of the second round. Uh, occasionally, I think he'll drop into the second half, and I, I think he's a really good prospect, and he's going he's gonna to be the guy that comes in with the least amount of pressure on him. And, and there's something to be said for that. Some of these other other quarterbacks are going to come into the league and the expectations are going to be so high. You know, Hooker can come in. He can learn the offense. He's probably going to go to a team that has a starter and maybe the starters only on has one year left on their contract or, you know, maybe they're just they're You know, the, the sun is setting on their career. Uh, I, I like what Hooker brings to the table. You know, he's just going to have to work out, you know, can he transition from that spread offense where, you know, they did the triple stack on one side and then his job was just to pick the, 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 whichever one of the three guys was open when they split up. So looking at the back half of the second round, we had kind of a run here on uh, yeah, running back. Big old running back runs what we had. Uh, so I took Tank Bigsby uh, when it came up to me at 207. Then we saw Zach Evans, Roshan Johnson, uh, Sean Tucker, and Kendra Miller go. And then the round closes out with Marvin Mims. What did you think any of the picks there stand out to you? Um, Sean Tucker has not been getting a lot of love. Uh, I know he just went back for a medical recheck at the Combine, and he's been cleared. I don't know if that means he's going to try to squeeze in a, a workout before next week or not. Uh, but he, he's there's there's basically it's kind of gotten narrowed down that people are saying, you know, Sean Tucker needs to go to a Kyle Shanahan offense because that's really the only that that's what he, his style and his abilities are suited for. We'll see if that's true. I'm, I'm curious when you looked at Big B's, Bigsby there. Were there any of those running backs that came after you? Because they went five, four straight running backs after you that you were debating against Bigsby with. I mean, I thought about uh, Roshan Johnson. I actually thought about going uh, wide receiver again. Um, I probably would have taken uh, Tillman if I would have gone wide receiver because I have him above uh, Mims. So I did consider doing that, but I thought it was worth a shot on Bigsby. I'm one of those people that probably locks in my spot a little bit more once I know what team players are on. I have an idea of players I like in a range, but in terms of when I'm live, uh, 
drafting um, path to touches makes a little bit of a difference for me. I was surprised though that Tillman lasts all the way for he, to you at three hundred one because I did consider taking him right there. I froze. Well, and I just back. said, yep. I just said I was surprised Tillman lasted to three hundred one because I did consider taking him right there. So to be fair, I was surprised Tillman lasted to three hundred one uh, because when I took downs, I was like, man, I really. Should I just get my guy and, and draft Cedric Tillman? Because I, I really like Tillman. Uh, I like Tillman over. If I'm looking, if, if my choices are Tillman and Hyatt, I'm t- taking Tillman. And so I, I really debated, but I just couldn't take him over downs. Um, and so I had resigned myself to the fact that he wouldn't be there at the 301. And then to watch it go running back, running back, running back, running back, running back. It was just like, Wow. And then Mims, I like Mims. I think Mims brings a lot to the table, but I'm, you know, Mims is 177 pounds and Tillman is 214, six foot three versus 5'11. I have a type and Tillman fits it. And so I was excited to see him come back to me at the 301. Now, if Tillman hadn't made it back to me, uh, Mims probably would have been my pick. So the rest of the third round, we see uh, five more tight ends go, uh, which makes sense given the the format we get. We had three different runs. We had like running back run in the second round, a tight end run in the third round, a quarterback run in the fourth round. Yeah, so we have Luke Musgrave go at 302, Darnell Washington at 303, then running back Dwayne McBride at 304, Kayshawn Butte finally going at 304. Oh five. He feels like a guy that continues to fall throughout this process. Uh, Israel Abanaconda goes at three Oh six. I went back to receivers with Rashi Rice at three Oh seven. Um, I thought about Will Mallory, um, but then he comes a little bit later. We get Tucker craft here at three Oh eight, Eric gray at three Oh nine, Sam Laporta at three ten. Will Mallory at three eleven, and then Jaden Reed at three twelve. I mentioned, you know, when I took rice, I considered Mallory because of the format, um, but I just decided I liked um, the value of Rice there a little bit better. But how do you feel? We get no quarterbacks in this round, so it kind of makes sense. After the top five, there's there's a bit of a lull before people are going back to that quarterback well. But what did you think of the picks here in the third round? So that's that's a lot of tight ends that aren't going to be fantasy viable. And so, like, if I'm – Year one, anyway. If I'm sitting – in my uh, in my draft, and I see five tight ends go in the third round. I'm going to immediately start trying to trade for, for fourth round picks. It, I mean, that's just I, I I'm at the point in my fantasy career right now where if you're not elite, and t- to be fair, I don't think I I think there's some good tight ends in this class. I just don't think any of them are elite. Um, I'm just not going to draft him. I'll wait and I'll trade for a tight end that I know I'm going to get production out of. And these five tight ends, there's a couple guys that might have some fantasy value, but will it be consistent? I feel like Musgrave is probably the most viable of them. I'm concerned about Darnell Washington. Uh, You know, a lot of his stuff, he ended up just kind of being 
you know, blocking and then floating down the seam a little bit. Uh, he, he did do some route running and, and he showed some athleticism at the combine, but it, I just feel like he's going to end up spending him and he's him and Michael Mayer are going to be doing the same kind of thing an awful lot. Uh, and it's not scoring fantasy points because we don't play in a point per block league. Well, I mean, you don't, maybe somebody does. <laughs> maybe I like McBride, McBride and Ibanaconda and gray, the running backs that went in this round. I think this is a great opportunity, a great spot to take some shots. McBride, he's a two down guy, but he's got great lateral movement and, and nice burst. Uh, but he only caught five passes in college, and he, he played at uh, what did he play UAB. So it wasn't like he was playing, you know, the the upper echelon of, of college competition. A Banacanda has a, has the explosiveness that that maybe Gray or McBride don't. He also has tiny hands. He's a little bit more athletic, kind of than Matt Jones was a few years ago that had had those tiny hands. Uh, I, I think Abanacanda is a guy that could be a fourth, fifth round pick and find some opportunity uh, because of his explosiveness. He also could be a fourth or fifth round pick and end up being a kick returner because of that explosiveness. Um, I like Rice. I just think he needs to become more refined as a route runner and stop trying to play like Mike Evans and overpower people. He's he's not in whatever conference that was that the that SMU is in anymore. Is that the Big Twelve? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what. He's he's going to be going against uh, so, uh, some substantially better players, and, and he's going to have to to learn to use. He, he's going to have to flesh out his skill set, his route running ability, when to use his speed, when to when to be uh, make nice cuts. I like Rice. I think he's a great upside uh, in the third round. That's what you want, and I think Rice provides a lot of upside there. So even in tight end premium, though, you don't, you wouldn't take tight ends. Well, all the tight ends get the premium, not just the bad ones. So yeah, that they're gonna, they're all gonna move up some, but it isn't like I'm, I'm not, I, I don't see myself starting, you know. Tucker Craft over, you know, Tyler Boyd. You never know. Never know. Well, in the the fourth round to start, you get uh, Jonathan Mingo. Were you pretty excited to see him fall there for it? <laughs> I, I, like, it, it was, I almost, if Tillman hadn't have been there and been a smash pick for me, Mingo would have been in the conversation for me. Uh, I love Mingo. I think he's going to be great. Uh, I actually, I've got Mingo in the same tier with Mims, Kendry Miller, Michael Mayer, Roshan Johnson. Uh, so for him to be there at the beginning of the fourth round, that that feels like it could be a home run pick. And again, he's, he's the big wide receiver of this class. So uh, you and I... It- in this draft, it was a super flex and tight end premium. Neither of us took a quarterback or a tight end. And for me, I was just, I, where I was falling, I didn't like any of the values for what those positions were left. We do see four more quarterbacks go here in this last round. Tanner McKee goes at 403, Stetson Bennett at 405, Max Duggan uh, at eight, and Dorian Thompson Robinson at 11. 
Is this about the round in a super flex where you might take a shot on one of that those second tier quarterbacks? And if you were, which one guy would you be targeting? I'm a Stetson Bennett guy. Uh, so I would have probably taken Bennett if he fell to me. He goes two picks in front of me. That was the one that I thought if he's still there, I'm going to take a flyer. So honestly, if if the draft had kind of went like I thought, Tillman wouldn't have been there for me at 301, and I probably would have taken Mingo. So Mingo would have been gone, and at 401, I was I would have taken Bennett. But it went to where I got Tillman and and Mingo at, in the third and the fourth. To me, you know, Bennett's got a couple options in front of him. He could be Chase Daniel, or he could be Drew Brees. You know, that's a wide spectrum. You know, they're they're both short guys that uh, have suspect arm strength. Um, you know, Bennett actually had the same uh, pass velocity at the combine as Will Levis. The question is, is when he throws like that, do you uh, – does he maintain his accuracy? He's a gutsy player. He's a winner. He fights hard. Like him and Mac du- Max Duggan kind of have this intangible thing. Like Betts, Bennett was on the Georgia team, and then he left because I don't know if, I don't remember if it was academics or he just wasn't getting enough playing time or didn't feel like he was going to make it. And he went to junior college, and then he came back. And then he won the starting job, and he took him to two national championships. There's some moxie there. He, he's mobile enough. I think he ran a four six seven forty, so he can get out and out of the pocket. You know, at five foot ten and a half or five foot eleven, there's going to be some opportunities there. So, will he be able to get the passes where they need to be? Duggan, on the other hand, has a lot of that intangible stuff. He lost the job in camp. The other guy got hurt. He came in. He took the team to the national championship game. The, the bugaboo with Duggan is that he just doesn't have the arm. He's not accurate, and he doesn't have a strong enough arm. I think he'll get into a camp, and he might make a practice squad, but he's more likely to end up in the USFL or XFL, I think. Well, any other uh, things stand out to you in this uh, four-round rookie mark? Did it just make you excited for actual rookie drafts? Well, it's interesting at the end of the, the, the 12th pick in the fourth, you know, Chase Brown went and he still has some people believing in him. And, you know, he had a good year at Indiana statistic wise, put up a lot of yards, scored a lot of touchdowns. But he's he's just been falling hard since the senior bowl. He had a, a good combine, but when the pads were on at the senior bowl, he just didn't handle practice very well. He got pushed around. He made mental errors. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. You know, he's five foot nine and 206 or 209 pounds in there. He's got enough size to be, you know, a 14 carry a game back with a couple pass receptions. But he can't block, he can't pass block to save his life. And so I don't know how much that's going to hurt him. Uh, I'd have probably went A.T. Perry over Rakeem Jarrett. Uh, again, Perry's a big guy. Perry's issues, he often, uh, you know, he makes uh, amazing catches look easy and easy catches look amazing sometimes. You know, it, it's sometimes it, when he should just, it's right in his hands, it's, 
you know, he's bobbling it all around and whatnot. Uh, but I like I like Perry. He's got speed. Uh, he's for his size, especially. So I I don't have a lot of qualms other than I probably wouldn't have taken any of the other three quarterbacks. I think if Thompson Robinson can develop some accuracy, he's the type of guy that I think a team like Baltimore brings in as a backup because he's got that mobility that you don't have to change the play style behind um, Lamar Jackson or Philadelphia brings him in because you don't have to change a lot of the play style because of the, the, the mobility that they have. So I, I feel like there's a, there's a place in the NFL for him, but I feel like he ends up being sort of that guy you only pick up as a handcuff. Well, that's going to wrap up our mock draft Monday. As I mentioned, only 10 days away from the regular NFL draft. So uh, we'll be back on Friday. I think Matt will be back with us. We'll be looking at our top 25 combined uh, rankings, super flex rankings, as we head into the draft. It'll be interesting to see uh, if any of those things kind of shift around for us as the draft unfolds. Uh, and then I think we're planning to do a mock draft of a different kind where the three of us try to do an NFL uh, mock draft for next Monday's show on the cusp of the actual draft. But uh, until then, Dennis, uh, we've been we've been restored on our our what was once old is new again for our uh, platform. So what do you suggest that people do? Do us a big old favor. Go subscribe. We really, you know, we need to build a subscriber base back up now that you can find us again. Give us a rating. Give us a review. You know, we could use some love. And like I said, we'll be back on Friday. Until then, keep getting that draft fever going. Have a good one.